0: Hi everyone, I'm Charlie Boyd, and welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted just to say thanks for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash give to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. A steward is someone who manages somebody else's stuff. A steward is somebody who manages somebody else's stuff. So God says to each one of us, here's some of my stuff. Here's some brain power. Here's some talents and gifts and abilities. Here's some money. Here's some opportunities. Now take that stuff, my stuff. It's my provision for you but not just for you. So use some of it, invest some of my stuff and maximize it for my work in the world. But that's not all. The definition of stewardship goes one step further. A steward is someone who manages somebody else's stuff with the goals of the owner in mind. With the goals of the owner in mind. In other words, a good steward says, God, thank you for entrusting your stuff to me. What would you like me to do with your stuff? I mean, imagine what it would be like to sit down with a financial manager or planner, and many of you have already done this, and you sit down with a financial planner and you turn all, over all your assets and investments for this guy to manage and invest for you. And one of the very first questions a good financial planner will ask you is what are your goals? What would you like to see happen with your money? Which I always think is kind of a strange question. It's like I wanna see it become as much as it possibly can be. Well, how much do you wanna retire on? As much as I possibly can. You know, I don't, but that's, that's just the way it is. But uh, so he's, so the financial planner's like, well, if I'm gonna manage your money, I need to know what your goals are so I can make sure that I handle your finances in the, in the right way, in the way that you intend. That's what you want, right? I mean, I mean, how would you feel if you sat down with a financial planner and said, wow. <laughs> You're giving me a lot of money to work with here. Thank you so much. My wife and I have been planning to add on to our house, and now we're going to be able to do it. (laughs) uh, You'd be like, whoa, hold on, fellow. This isn't your money to do whatever you want with. This is my money. You're supposed to manage it for me. That's biblical stewardship. Basically, being a steward is being a financial manager of God's money. It's saying, God, I see that all I have is yours. I see that all I have has come from you. And I, you've given me talents and abilities and money and opportunity. It's all come from you. What would you like me to do with your stuff? That's biblical stewardship. Now, let me give you four quick, short statements to flesh out how to think biblically about stewardship. First of all, stewardship is not simply about money. It's about the great God who, your great God, who has graced you with all you have. It's not just about money. It's it's more about your great God and gracious God who's graced you with money and stuff and talents and abilities. And that thought permeates this entire chapter. What the people gave came out of their love and affection and appreciation and adoration of God. Now, the second thing is stewardship is not some subcategory of the Christian life. Number two, stewardship is the Christian life. Stewardship and discipleship are two sides of the same coin. Discipleship is I live wholeheartedly to God because of what Jesus has done for me. Stewardship is I give wholeheartedly to God because of what God's given to me. And you cannot separate these two. They're two sides of the same coin. Number three, stewardship is your identity. It is not an activity. Stewardship is more about who you are than what you do. And when you understand that being God's steward is your identity, then as a response to grace, you'll give outside your comfort zone if God leads you to do that. Hear me, stewardship is not just some religious cliche that we use to make fundraising sound spiritual. No, it's central to who you are in Christ, so whenever God is at work among his people, and whenever God invites his people to join in his work, the stewardship question is, will you generously and sacrificially invest some of your stuff, some of the stuff that God has given you to accomplish the work he's set before us? Will you generously and sacrificially invest some of the stuff God has given you to accomplish the work that he set before us. That's exactly what this passage about. That's the question that David asked the people of Israel when he says, who's with me? And a whole bunch of leaders and a whole bunch of people joined David, gave willingly and joyfully and generously and sacrificially over and above what they were required to give under the law. And they lived their lives and they died and many of them never saw that temple. But think, they left behind a legacy, they left behind a worship center that benefited their children and children's children and beyond. And this is so cool because uh, because of their love and affection and their desire to make much of God, again, this story of radical generosity, we're still talking about it 3,000 years later because God decided to put it in his book. Now, the fourth point under stewardship comes from verses 14 through 17. And what you're going to see here is that David tells us the same thing that he's already said, but he links it to something very important. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to give uh, so generously and willingly? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given back to you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. Uh, Oh, Lord, our God, all of this abundance that we have provided for this building, for your house is for your holy name. It comes from your hand and it is all yours. And I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. Now, that's interesting, the testing of the heart. Let's keep reading. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I've seen your people who present, who are present here, offering freely and joy, joyously to you. O Lord, the God of our father Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. So David Praise again, God, everything belongs to you, everything comes from you, everything is distributed by you, and we're simply giving back to you what you've so generously given to us. And here's the bottom line, this is number four, stewardship is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Look at verse 17, I know, God, that you test the heart. Verse 18, forever keep your purposes and your thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. And to my thinking, there's no better prayer than that, than to ask God to always keep his purposes and his thoughts in our hearts so that God could work in us and through us to advance the gospel and advance his agenda in our world today. Now, I'm gonna close with a couple of stories. The first story, I think, reveals the heart of a steward rather than the mind of an owner. Um, This came by way of an email. Said I'm really excited about what God is doing in our church. When my wife and I attended one of the early meetings, God impressed a number on my heart to give to the campaign and I thought, there's just no way. And in the booklet, that's, that was like this, that was handed out, there was a chart that showed several ways to give that were out of the ordinary, as well as ways to modify our spending. And in going through that exercise, we've already identified how we can double our original amount and God's not finished with us yet. God's doing a great work in our church and we want very much to be a part of what he's doing. Now that couple would be right at home in 1 Chronicles 29 because they're looking for ways to give to the max over and above their regular gifts and they're doing it joyfully and cheerfully. Now way back in the first capital campaign we did here when we moved from woodruff road up to here when karen and i started praying about what god would have us give i asked her about an amount uh what did she feel like god was saying to her and the figure that she mentioned was exactly the figure that i mentioned that i felt like god was impressing on me and and it was more than we had ever given to something like this problem was we couldn't figure out where that sum of money would come from. And we felt like we knew what God wanted us to give, but we had two kids in college and all kinds of other things going on. And our regular giving, which we've always given above 10% to the church and then over and above that to missions and benevolence, um, we were struggling with this. And so we decided that we would give 10% of one year's salary over and above what we were already giving, but we didn't know how we were gonna do it. And we did exactly what that couple did recently, and that is we looked at ways that we might could give that were out of the ordinary, and there are several ways to do that. You can give up something, you can delay something, you can do something to earn more, you can donate something like a gift in kind, and in, in, in past campaigns we've received real estate and all, all kinds of and stocks and all kinds of stuff, or you can do a combination of those things. And don't, don't miss out on what God's doing by saying you can't do anything. Now, here's some things that uh, in past capital campaigns that people did, and they're small things, but if you noticed on this pledge card, in order to reach our goal, We need uh, 200 people just pledging $10 a month to reach our goal. So it's not too little, but some people decided to skip a meal out each week as a family. And if you save $20 a week uh, eating out, which would be conservative, that would be over $3,100 in three year period. Some people commit their uh, income tax refund check to the Lord. Uh, Some people put off a discretionary purchase a major purchase and one one uh, couple I know a family that put off purchasing new carpet for three years and gave that money to the campaign Um, you could make a commitment to drink only water when you go out and if you did that one person could save five dollars a week or more that's a minimum of seven hundred and eighty dollars the point is it is possible to give something God's not looking for equal gifts he's looking for people whose hearts are willing to make some kind of sacrifice to join him in his work Now, the second story goes back to the why for multiplying our ministry to a new location that I talked about last week. A while back, a lady came up to me after the service, and she says, I've been coming to fellowship for a while now, and I just have to tell you this story. She says, several years ago, I became a Christian, and I knew that would be a problem in my marriage, so I didn't really talk much to my husband about it. And he knew I had become a Christian because he saw me reading my Bible all the time and going to church. And most of the churches I attended, I enjoyed. And people talked about the Bible, and it seemed to be, and they all seemed to be kind of growing in their faith. But I kept going from church to church to church, looking for a church that I would feel comfortable inviting my husband to attend. Because I knew he didn't really want to go, and I'd probably only get one shot. So each week I'd take my two children who are four and seven and I would take them to these churches and for the most part, they would like their Sunday school classes. But every time I drove home, I would think that was nice, but I can't take my husband there. And people kept telling me you should try Fellowship Greenville and she said it was too far and I thought it was too big. But I got up one morning, I would run out of places to go. So I got up and I packed up the kids and we visited the church. And she said, my kids loved it. And halfway through the service, I realized, this is it. This is the place. If I get one shot, this is where I'm gonna bring my husband. And she went home and she waited for just the right time. And she asked her husband to come to church with her. And after some nudging, not nagging, but nudging, he finally agreed. And they got up one Sunday morning, loaded up the kids and they came to church. Push pause right there. Now let me stop and tell the story and tell you what you know that they didn't know. That same Sunday morning, some of our fit team got up early and they drove here and they got coffee going and the information desk's welcome center set up and the next, table, uh, next step table set up and they uh, posi- got, got positioned in the parking lot and uh, they, they, the ushers got all the materials that they needed, the greeters for what they needed that morning. They didn't know who was coming. But they were faithful to their posts. And when that couple drove in, they were welcomed with smiles and helpful directions. And that same morning, some teachers got up early and they got here and they made copies of some worksheets and they got the scissors out and the paper out and the glue out and they finished preparing the Bible story to teach that morning. And as parents and kids showed up and they greeted kids and they shook their hands and printed out name tags, they had no idea who was coming. And on Wednesday before that, the band and worship team showed up to meet with Matt and Johnny and they went over the music for Sunday and they had a good rehearsal to make sure the music would be both worshipful and excellent. And that early Sunday morning, the sound and light guys and gals and the tech team and video people were here working, very busy getting everything ready. They didn't know who was coming. And Saturday night, I was home. I was stressed out like I am every Saturday night thinking about my message, thinking this is the most boring sermon known to man. And I'm thinking, I wonder if Coralie Plumbing could use another plumber. Not that I know anything about plumbing either. And early in the morning, Rick Aylstock was up unlocking doors and Tim Dallas was setting up things, making sure the A.C. and the lights were on. Hundreds of people went into action preparing and praying. They didn't know who was coming. And that family drove in the parking lot and they found a place and they opened the door and as soon as they did they were greeted by some nice, smiling faces, and someone escorted the dad and mom and the kids to the right classes and introduced them to teachers. And the teachers assured the mom and the dad that those boys would have a good time. And then they grabbed a cup of coffee, and the dad and mom walked into the auditorium. It was full, but the ushers and greeters helped them find a place to sit. And then the service began with some upbeat music and a couple of guys telling funny stories up front, and people were laughing, and the man and his wife looked at each other and laughed, and as they looked around clearly, they saw people who enjoyed being at church. Music was incredible, sermon was understandable, the people was, were friendly, and everything ended up pretty much on time. And when it was all over, And they got up to leave, the man turned to his wife and said, can we come here next week? Listen, that's why we do what we do here. That's what this is all about. This is why we're asking you to pray and ask God what he'd have you give to create more space for more people like families like that. Because you see, one day when we all come to the end of our lives like David was coming to the end of his in 1 Chronicles 29, One day when our time is up, imagine what it would be like if we were able to hand off to the next generation a growing church like the one that God graced us with, a church doing the same things we do but doing more of it more effectively in more places. Now it's our turn. So I ask you, as a steward of God's grace, the grace that he's lavished on you, will you partner with God in the work that he's doing now. The Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church community, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Grace and peace to you for your week, and we'll see you next time.